Welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. We are Vicky B and Sammy Z, two cousins creating a space for women to laugh, grow, and stumble through their 20s. This community is all about embracing your inner weirdo while manifesting that boss ass babe you know you are. Grab a drink and get ready for lots of laughs, honest chats, and authentic advice every Thursday. Like, subscribe, and leave a review. And don't forget, to follow us on Instagram at Stumbling Along. And here's this week's episode of Stumbling Along with Vicky B and Sammy Z. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Stumbling Along. It's Sammy Z and Vicky B. And we have a really awesome guest on today. Her name is Ebony Walker. I went to J school with her at Carleton University. And she recently published an article yes. in Flair Magazine. And it is titled... What do you do when your dream career is notoriously racist? And you can find it in Flair Magazine. It'll be in our bio if you want to click on that and read it. Um, we have a great conversation um, talking about her article and, you know, why she wanted to get into journalism and the truth that has been unveiled with the Canadian media industry and how you know, it's actually kind of racist not kind of kind of it is. is it is it is racist and she talks about her own personal experiences through the article um it is super um interesting to see kind of like her take on it so we hope you guys really enjoy this episode yeah super powerful article and powerful interview but i totally forgot to mention the wine we were drinking on the episode um, Ebony chose uh, the Jacob's Creek Moscato, and we have a Pinot Grigio by Naked Grape. So we're having some classy wine and talking a lot of truths on this yeah. episode. So enjoy. Here she is. Congrats, girl, for getting your piece published. Thank you. I was really excited. I don't think it really hit me until it was out and then everyone was like commenting wow like congratulations and I was like oh shoot I actually have something like out there it's, you're a journalist yeah you did it is like, that what it feels like related yeah. yeah it's like I have a published piece I, I am a journalist I mean call yeah myself. it kind of you do get that feeling in your head a bit you're like whoa this is like what I went to school for I'm actually doing what I studied to do it's a weird feeling oh yeah, it must be unreal yeah congrats thank you yeah, and we'll ask you all about that process later. But first, fill us in and what your story is, why you want to get into journalism, and yeah, how you did it, and what you're doing now, and all that. Okay, so um, why I want to get into journalism, I okay. So part of it is because I've always loved like watching TV anchors. I was always really like captivated by them. I thought they were like so put together and it was so cool like they knew everything like they were never phased I just thought it was such a cool profession and still fun enough so it like caught my attention as a kid and then as I grew up realized that I wasn't great at math and I didn't like science <laughs> preaching <laughs> and I was like okay what am I gonna do like I was always good at English it always is pretty easy but my dad was like you're not going to go to school with it, like to take English. That's a waste. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll go in for journalism. So then that's when I kind of got the idea in my head to go to journalism school. And then I found my way at Carleton, did four years there, graduated uh, last year in 2019 with Victoria. And then um, 
from there, well, actually, in my last year of journalism school, I started interning at a communications agency. And then after I was done school, they hired me on full time, which is really kind of them. So that is amazing. Yeah, it was like, literally a godsend because it's so hard to find a job in comms or journalism and I didn't really think that I wanted to go into journalism right away I was pretty like done with it after school to be honest Uh, I feel you me too yeah it was just I needed a break and it was a good break so I started working at the comms agency full-time and then it's been a year now and I'm still there so are you enjoying the communication position you're in uh yeah I like it I mean it takes a a lot to get used to because it is still writing which is the funny thing and this is the thing I find with journalism too like going from high school to J school I was really thrown off because I don't find that they they don't teach you about like journalism in high school you know Mm -hmm. they teach you how to like write an essay in the proper format for that or they'll teach you like poetry or whatever but they don't really teach you how to write journalistically which is completely different than anything you've ever learned in high school so that's a huge learning curve and then coming out of journalism going back into comms it's kind of like you have to then adjust your writing style again to learn how to write for comms which is completely different than journalism because journalism is really short and punchy and short sentences and like tell me everything I need to know at the beginning I don't care about the rest whereas like it's not like that with comms so that was a big adjustment and then getting used to kind of like working on an agency and the agency talk and the agency life is is a learning curve too but now that I've kind of got my my feet under me I, I I do like it like it's really nice to have the predictability of a nine to five I mean sometimes it gets boring but it's completely opposite to journalism where it's like there's no predictability at all mm-hmm. so I think for right now I'm liking it because it like still gives me time to hang out with my friends and like make plans at a specific time you know without having to worry about a random deadline that comes up or something. So, yeah. It and a steady perfect. paycheck, too, is always yes. nice. <laughs> Coming out of school. That's huge. <laughs> paying off your student yeah. loans, too. So that's awesome. Amazing. Yeah, when I worked at an agency, too, I found that it was nice that we had, like, different clients. So we got yeah. to do different things. It's kind of like every day something different, depending on the client or what your schedule is for that day. So if I'm, like, working on one thing all day, it can be completely different than me working on, like, a different client the next day so that is pretty cool and I also like being able to see like I don't know if you guys got to set yours but like rebrands or something like that uh so you get to see like the company from the beginning and the end yeah. where it's like a completely different thing and at the beginning it was just like all ideas in people's heads and then it's like this thing that's fleshed out that you can actually see that's really like fulfilling to be able to watch that go from beginning the product at the yeah, end being a part of it, it through exactly yeah in the article you mentioned, you still want to be a feature writer. So you still want to be a journalist, right? So have yeah. you been... Yeah, tell me about that. Have you been writing? How how has that been going? So uh, for the article, that was my first time ever really like freelancing. So it was a pretty... It was a pretty hefty one to start with. Yeah. So to answer your question, I hadn't really been writing like journalistically um since school and then um until this article but then also sorry to get back to your question again um I do still want to be a feature writer yes I just don't know uh like in what form that's going to take like if I want to do more freelancing or if I want to do like a paid position which is like increasingly rare so I doubt that's going to be the case but I still do have the passion to like 
tell stories and write in a journalistic way. I just don't know if the form of like a journalist Mm -hmm. uh, is necessarily for me, if that makes sense. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Sense. I thought like, even I thought that like, there's only certain types of ways I could tell stories. So it was like, it must be through writing a book, having a blog or being a journalist. But now there's so many different types of ways to write, write and tell stories. So there's many ways you can fulfill that, you know, that desire to tell your story and tell other people's stories. I was wondering if you could give our stumblers a little synopsis if they hadn't read your article yet and also just tell us kind of where the inspiration and where kind of it all came from to write this piece and submit it to these magazines. Totally. So the synopsis of my article um, is basically my thoughts and feelings. Okay, so we'll go back to June uh, of this year when George Floyd died. And Black Lives Matter kind of had a resurgence. And it was really cool to see because it kind of went beyond just the posting on social media like it usually does. And obviously, we all saw the protests that happened and everything like that. But um, there were also like a lot of workplace commitments to do better and be better and to listen and learn all this stuff. And then uh, on Twitter during that time, I just saw like a ton of journalists like I listed a few in the article but there's like Kathleen who works at Refinery29 who's a huge inspiration to me then there's Kayla Gray who is at TSN or yes no TSN I think um and yeah I think you're a bunch of other people (laughs) yeah a bunch of other people who were talking about and it wasn't just in Canada too but obviously since I'm Canadian I focus on Canada but there's like tons even at huge uh, corporations like Condé Nast that's like a dream for me to work at uh, all coming out and saying like these places are racist or like they're sexist or they felt uncomfortable or the people working there who are people of color were silenced or they weren't treated fairly or they weren't paid fairly and it's still going on like even now even though uh, kind of like everything has died down in a sense but I just kept seeing like story after story after story about all these black, mostly female journalists who have like completely been mistreated by the media industry. And I was like, oh my gosh, like what the heck? Because in your head, you kind of have ideas, but just to see it like fleshed out, you know what I mean? Like so clearly like that, it was really overwhelming. So the article inspiration came from me and my thoughts me trying to honestly like process for myself what that means um as someone who has always wanted to go into journalism since I was a kid and so the synopsis of the article is those thoughts those feelings and kind of just how to navigate that moving forward and what it will mean for my career in the future how did you feel when you kind of saw the curtain kind of get pushed back and reveal how racist our Canadian media industry actually is? Well, it's actually funny because it's very, the way that it happened is very on brand for Canada, which is like, (laughs) everything looks fine. Everyone's super nice. And then it's like all the stuff, all the bad stuff is behind the curtain. So uh, like you said, the curtain was literally like pushed back and it was like, look at all this crap that's happening. Uh, For me, I was like, that whole month was just so emotionally exhausting um just like seeing everything that was happening and then to see that on top of it 
it was really discouraging because it's like, and I don't know, like, Victoria, if you'll understand, but kind of like in journalism school, they almost talk about journalists like they're above these, like, things that regular people do. Like, we're supposed to be better. We're supposed to be always, like, neutral. We're supposed to be objective. We're just, like, the more watchdog. Don't have an opinion. Exactly. So it kind of makes you think that that would translate into, like, your morals and your values or how you interact with people and how you treat them. So for me, it was really disappointing to see that, like, this industry that heralds itself as this kind of, like, better than everyone else um, is not better than everyone else. It's actually really bad. And it treats people who look like me like crap often. And so that was, like something really hard to digest and something that I really had to like sit with my feelings on because it's kind of like seeing your dream die, which I kind of give language to in the article. Um, Can I read it? Because I think it's like the most powerful line. Vic pulled a little line. She's like, we must, (laughs) we must say this on the pod. (laughs) Okay. So she says, There's an agonizing reckoning that happens when the lushness of your dreams comes face to face with the harshness of your, of reality. It feels like watching a building on fire. In my case, each racist story is a crackling flame that burns through another part of the structure. I can't imagine like what that feels like to just watch your dreams kind of like, kind of get taken away from you from just the way, just from being who you are. Yeah. And it's, it's a, it's odd because it's not based on anything I've done. It's not like I was a really terrible journalist and then got reprimanded publicly and then the dream was taken away from me that way. It was something that, like you said, I have no control over. I haven't even got really my footing in the industry and it's already like kind of being taken away. So it's a really weird, it's a weird feeling. And that was kind of why I was like, I need to write about this. Cause for me, writing is therapeutic almost. Mm-hmm. So to even process my feelings, I was like, I think I should probably write about how I'm feeling. And then it kind of evolved from there into the article. Yeah. And in the article, you say like, you are discouraged, but you still want to kind of push through with journalism. So kind of how will you navigate the journalism career now that you've uncovered kind of the truth of it all? It's hard. And I feel like that's where I'm even still a bit confused as to what the heck I'm going to do. Yeah. Um. I I really don't know because it's also hard to know until you're in it what the actual culture is like or what the changes are like. You know what I mean? It's hard to know from the outside looking in if these companies that have been called out are actually going to make a real change and it's going to be better or if they're just saying it and it's going to be the exact same. And it's really difficult to know unless you know someone who works there or unless you're working there yourself. So I think part of it will always kind of be a gamble. Um, but I think that's also where I'm kind of more settled in on the fact that maybe I'll just freelance and that's how I'm going to like contribute to this industry. And maybe I don't even want to aspire to like full-time working in the industry, kind of just to keep that, that guard, that safety. Keep yourself safe. Yeah. Yeah. Keep yourself safe from that environment and those like microaggressions and racism that people experience. Exactly. But then on the other hand, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, especially since like being a black woman, you've experienced these things in the past. 
And I was just going to ask you if you wanted to share some. I know you shared some in the article, just because I feel like people don't think p- Canadians are capable, but we yeah. like they totally are. A hundred percent. And totally like growing up, I have been singled out, you know, like uh, people have touched my hair without asking. They'll ask like really ignorant questions about like, oh, do your parents speak English? Um, where are you from? And if I say Canada, they're like, no, where are you from, from, but I was mm-hmm. born in Canada. So I'm from Canada. Yeah. Um, like things like that. And it totally happens all the time in Canada. Like my sister, again, like in June, I think when all of this was happening, kind of sent a call out to all of her friends and was like, Hey, can you guys share with me stories of like personal experiences of racism in Canada that you've experienced and she titled it what you never saw and there was probably like 20 stories uh that she had on her instagram that she was just adding to and it was like ridiculous the stories that people had that were that happened like in canada like being called the n-word on the street like being yelled out of a car window like go back to where you came from um blatantly like being rejected from jobs because you don't look professional or whatever it might be. So like, it's definitely happened to me, but even I can look at myself and say like, I've been really lucky that I haven't had anything to me. That's terrible. Um, compared to some of the people that I know and that I'm close with who are not that much older than me, like my age, even this is not an older person problem. Like this happens all the time. And Mm -hmm. so it definitely does happen in Canada. Especially, you know, having those experiences and knowing like your friends and family have had those experiences and then see it or hear about it happening in, you know, professional settings. It's like, how do you escape that? Like, you're supposed to be a professional setting. You're supposed to be these moral, you know, higher people. And like, how am I supposed to be safe in that setting? And like workplace racism, I feel like isn't often talked about just because people are like, scared they don't want to lose their job they don't want to be blacklisted from an industry if it's really like a small industry and stuff like that so I workplace racism definitely goes under the radar for sure that power imbalance even just like within like bosses and employees that alone just and that's so horrible especially in a media industry where it's always kind of like you know people have more power because you know they're in the public eye and Exactly. Like, then they have, like, like, their reputation kind of, like, defending them. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like the media industry and journalism industry is all very, like, cutthroat to begin with. Like, the, fa- the fact if you even get, like, a moment in the spotlight or a moment to be recognized for your work, it's like you hold on to it so much. Cause that whole 15 minutes of fame, which really, like, is horrible. Yeah. And there's mm-hmm. already so many barriers, like, in the study that you brought up that there was, like, a lack of leadership, um, it was like 10%, what was the 4%? Sorry, 4.8% of media leaders identified as visible by minorities in Toronto. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's already so many barriers to get there. Exactly. And that's just like minorities in general. That's not even just like black or Asian or brown or what is South Asian. Like that's all of us together. So yeah, it's not a lot. Yeah, I think hearing the numbers too, it really like opens your eyes. Your article was very good at compiling your narrative with like relative facts. So I thought it was really well composed and balanced. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) So I'm super interested kind of like on the concept of freelance work, because I know like for me, 
hearing about freelancing, it's really scary because of the uncertainty that you were talking about. So I was wondering if you could talk to us about kind of the process, your creative process of writing, but as well as how you got about distributing your work and maybe how many places you sent it to until it was recognized by Flair. Because I'm so fascinated with how that would go all about. Yeah, totally. So in journalism school, we took, well, I took a class. It was um, elective and it was about freelancing. So I kind of had a bit of an understanding about how it works, not from firsthand experience, but just from being taught about it a bit. So that was really nice. And then also at the place I work with, there's another lovely woman who freelances her work and she has been for a while. So she was really, really helpful. Her name is Kelly and she really helped me um, kind of know what's normal because when it's your first time, you really don't know. So I even had to ask her like, which I'll get to later. But I was like, well, how many rounds of feedback do you usually go through? Like, was my article really bad? Or is this normal? Or you know what I mean? So uh, first, like I said, these were just kind of like thoughts in my own mind that I decided to write down. And so I did that for probably about half the article. And it was like late, it was like 2am one night, and I couldn't sleep. And I was like, Oh, let me just write these thoughts down. And so I can sleep. So I wrote about probably half of it at that time. And then I went to sleep. The next morning I woke up and I was like, I read it back. Cause sometimes, you know, when you read your stuff back and you're like, this makes no sense. Let me just put that in the trash. Yeah. <laughs> um, I read it back and I was like, Hey, this is actually not bad. Like maybe this could be a story. So I decided not to write any more and pitch it because I didn't want to write something and then get super stuck with it and then pitch it. And they want something in a different direction so I was like, okay, I have a start. And if they ask for like a writing sample or something, I can give them this, but I'm not going to write the full thing. So then I came up with a pitch, which just basically explained like what the general idea of the article is about and how it came to me and what I hope to achieve with the article. And then I sent it to my friend Kelly and I was like, can you read this through for me? And like, tell me from your opinion, because you've done this before, if it's something that is like eye catching for you if it's something that you think it would get picked up and she read it and she gave me feedback and she was like, no, I think this is really good. I think you should pitch it. So then it's kind of like stalker time because oh my goodness, <laughs> you have to find like the right people to pitch to. Cause that's really important. If you don't pitch the right people, like it's not going to go anywhere. So I went on to, and because I want to go into like feature writing more lifestyle that way. I wanted to pitch to organizations like that. I didn't want to pitch to like a newspaper like the Toronto Star or anything because that's not the direction that I want to go in my future. So I pitched, or sorry, I Googled Flair L Canada, uh, which I used to enter in there. So I had a contact for there already. Toronto Life, The Walrus, and I think that's it. So I think it was four that I had. Oh, and the kit, which is like a smaller digital publication based in Toronto. So I pitched to five and I sent them all the pitch and said, like, I would love to work with you guys if you're interested in picking this up. And then the kit got back to me and said they don't have any budget for freelance. Typical oh, no. journal. <laughs> so... <laughs> They, but the lady was super nice and she was like, this is a wonderful story. I really hope it gets picked up. And she even gave me feedback on my pitch and was like, because originally I had it super focused on, uh, 
an, a relating article that was published in Refinery29. And she told me, like, if you want to pitch to these other organizations that are competition of Refinery29, maybe tweak your pitch a bit so that it's not focused on that article, which is really helpful advice. That's super helpful. And great that she nice did that. that they yeah. like, empowered you. Yeah, exactly. She was really, really nice. And it was super helpful because it wasn't even something I had thought about, but I was like, this makes a lot of sense. So I tweaked the pitch a bit. Oh, sorry. So yeah, I sent it to them first, only them, and then got that feedback. And then I tweaked it and sent it to the rest. And then Elle got back to me and asked for writing samples. And then Flair got back to me and said that they would do it right away without writing samples. So yeah. Nice. And the other ones ghosted me. <laughs> classic exactly I um mean, but that's three okay. to five is not bad yeah it's pretty for your first time i mean it's pretty good yeah so i decided to go with flair because they're ready to go like right away and i wanted it to be timely i didn't want to wait too long and with the writing samples and all that stuff with all i just figured it might take a bit longer and i was just anxious to get it out because otherwise i feel like i would psych myself out and be like oh never mind it's okay mm-hmm. so i went with flair um and the girls the editor's name was jennifer berry and she was so kind she was so nice um so the process a bit is i wrote i finished that first draft that was like a note in my phone and love i so i finished that i sent like i did my own revisions or whatever i sent it to her and then it went through two rounds of edits before it was published so she gave me feedback once i edited it she gave me feedback again i edited it and then it went live. That sounds like such an awesome. ex- like exciting process that you got yeah, to experience. Yeah, I was super people. nervous at the beginning to get the feedback because I was just like, oh man, this is like the real deal. What if it's really bad? What if she like I know it's not just it's it? not just your prof anymore who like if they give you bad feedback, you're like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, whatever. Give me a bad mark. I don't care. This is like, yeah, no, I actually really do care. I hope you like it. Um, but she was so kind with all of her feedback too, and since it was first person narrative as well like any suggestions or feedback she had she always was like if you don't feel comfortable adding this or if this isn't accurate please let me know like it's okay we can find a workaround or even because I guess it's kind of a sensitive topic like some of the racist experiences that I have had she was always like if you don't feel comfortable adding that that's totally fine we can take it out so she was really really thoughtful which just made it like an even better first experience because she was just so kind the whole time that's good to have like a good first experience. Are you thinking about writing anything more? Are you working on anything? I I like it's hard because I'm like I'm a bit nervous to do it again just in case I don't get like such a good experience the second time. The other thing is like I feel like I'm not that great at coming up with story ideas. Like they just come to me. It's not I I'm not good at thinking about them like beforehand. Yeah. Um, so I definitely do want to keep freelancing and keep pitching. I just have to find the right stories to tell. You need to which, be like inspired. By it needs something. to be a two AM inspiration, like exactly. That. Yeah, that's not sustainable. Kind of so I've got to get it together. Well, it seems great that you're doing the communications freelance on the side. It seems like a great like stepping stone if you did want to go into full time freelance in the future. I know when Vic said like my friend from journalism wrote this, I was like, that's so sick. Like she's our age and she just got like published in Flair, which is so like well known. As a freelancer, and I feel like I've even considered writing for freelance. I'm like, oh, that just seems so daunting. Like pitching people and going through the editing processes. I don't have a lot of work to back me up. Yeah, but- that was totally me too because I. 
all I had was like center town which for those of you who don't know or like center town is just our school newspaper that we have to contribute to like in third and fourth year so I had like nothing and I was while I was pitching and like when I'll ask them for the writing samples I was kind of like being myself up because I was like why didn't you do more in school like why didn't you like contribute to more things and like the school newspaper and blah blah like you have no writing samples people aren't going to believe you're a good writer like maybe you're not a good writer like all these things crossing my head but honestly for anyone who's thinking of freelancing just go for it like the worst thing that could happen is them not answer and it's honestly not that bad like it's not that bad a feeling um it's not like anyone's going to come back to you ever and be like you are a terrible writer Mm -hmm. at least you tried and you know for yourself that you've like put yourself out there and you gave it your best shot yeah and if you never did that that 2am right and just go for the with the pitch you would never be here today now you have like your first piece like written and and published which i'm just like still gawking over that's so cool (laughs) (laughs) and you have editors for a reason too that help you so exactly and there's and they're so nice they do this all the time so it's not like I really trusted her. You know what I mean? Like I knew that whatever she was going to give me was going to make it better. And I think with the editing process, you just have to go in a bit open-minded and not like cling too tight to your ideas. Um, Cause at the end of the day, like I think, I think she made it a lot better. So. Last question. Mm-hmm. So for, you know, young girls and other, you know, aspiring journalists who kind of felt the same way, same way you did when they saw that the you know, what the media industry really is here. What would you say to those people who actually, you know, who do feel like giving up too? I think it's a personal decision. I don't, because I don't think it's going to be easy. Like, I don't think the changes that are going to come that we're fighting for are going to be easy. Um, And so for anyone who is like, thought about being a journalist who's maybe discouraged I think it's important to like really sit with those thoughts and to weigh the pros and the cons like I've been in rooms where I'm the only person that looks like me and that takes a toll on you but I was never I've never been in a room where I've been like blatantly told to shut up or like my ideas are invalid and that's something that we'll go through as women and for me like as a black woman so for any even woman who's maybe uncomfortable with a situation like that. I don't think that's something to brush off because it, it will take a toll. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yes, I think it's important that you like weigh the pros and cons of it. And then only if the pros outweigh the cons for you personally, like as a personal decision, um, should you continue forward? Cause otherwise I think it can lead to like a really unhealthy uh, environment for you to be in. And maybe even one where you're like constantly chasing approval of people who are just never going to respect you. And that's really hard to like a hard truth to swallow, but it might be true. Um, So I think it's really important to sit with your feelings of like disappointment or your feelings of sadness or your feelings of apprehension, because those can be kind of like a guide for you. Like for me, sitting with those feelings a led to the article but b led me to more clarity about what i want to do in the future which is probably not full-time work in the industry anymore so i think that don't give up if you don't want to but if you feel like maybe it's the end of the road that's okay or maybe if you feel like it's a turn in the road and not a dead end but maybe like you got to veer a little bit to find your right. path then do what you got to do but don't feel bad for feeling the way you feel because 
your feelings are always valid. Valid. That's really yes. good advice. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on our podcast today, Ebony. It was amazing to talk yeah, to you. And thank you for you know getting vulnerable with us too and sharing your story on Flair yeah. and with us. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. This is great. I've been listening ever since you asked me to be on your podcast. I've been like binge listening to it, and I love it. You guys are absolutely killing it. <gasps> oh, that means so thanks. much to us. It's so <laughs> it you know, does. it's like exactly like pitching. You kind of like it's so scary at first to release your own. You like do it on your own. But it's been really rewarding. It and been. It's awesome to hear feedback. And you got your mic and everything. Oh, yes, my new, <laughs> my new birthday mic. It's all set up. <laughs> no, you guys are absolutely crushing it. So congratulations. It's really exciting. Congratulations. You, you, you are too. too. It was amazing. You was. Thank you.